You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into episode 120 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. We've got a great episode for you today as we record on Monday morning, February 23rd. We're going to recap a tough week for Virginia Tech men's basketball, a triple overtime loss to Miami, a loss in Durham on Saturday. What does it all mean? We'll talk to Will and Chris about that in just a little bit. Plus a whip round of Virginia Tech athletics. We talk about wrestling. We talk about spring sports, a great weekend for Virginia Tech softball and baseball. All that and more coming up on episode 120 of the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. It all starts right now. And with that, we welcome you in on this Monday morning from the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Welcome in. Episode 120 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Evan Hughes, Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, and the best producer in the land behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart. Gentlemen, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning. Doing excellent. Doing well. Thank you. Good, good. Chris, how was your weekend? Oh, very uneventful. It's a good thing. Cool. Did you get some sleep? Yeah, I got some sleep. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, You know, Will, was your weekend as good as Cam Phillips' weekend was in the XFL? (laughs) It all depends. It's all relative. You know, like, this is going to sound weird, but I'm in the process of, of kind of going through. We've been in our house 22 years, so I'm in the process wow. of going through the house and cleaning things up. So when uh, when Malcolm's younger brother, Ronan, went away to South Carolina this year, he's one of those kids who accumulates a lot of stuff and never purges. So his room was just this giant pile <laughs> and so I, I spent well over 10 hours going through his room and cleaning it up so now i'm in storage over the garage and i'll just say i'm really geeked about that i'm clearing out all kinds of space up there it's tough because it is a it is a walk down memory lane there's a lot of little kid toys up there you know so are you equating cleaning your house to scoring three touchdowns on national television hey, I, I'll, I'll i'm almost as excited about that as cam phillips is about catching three touchdowns uh, well, like i said it's all relative Cam Phillips is it's going to be interesting because that guy, all right, the XFL Super Bowl, for lack of a better term, is like on April 24th, 25th. Uh-huh. That guy's going to go immediately from playing in the XFL, and then he's going to get signed to somebody's uh, NFL roster, and he's going to be going through mini camps. With I would him. hope so. So that guy's going to go from like April playing football to May in mini camps, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot so, of yeah, football. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of football, but if he stays healthy, it means he will have not spent the off season on the couch like like some guys do, right? right? So he'll have an edge. Like you were, you were talking about into, that earlier. He'll go into camp with a full head of steam, steam so to speak. Yeah. I did actually see a little bit of XFL yesterday. What'd I, you uh, think, Chris? Give us your thirty second. Uh, rundown. I watched How about I watched about half the third quarter of the DC game. Oh, that was a bad game to watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you're rooting for DC, I guess. Yeah, oh, I'm for smoked. DC. Uh, they played so well the first two weeks of the season, but uh, I got like when I when I turned it on. Cardell Jones threw threw up some ball in third and nineteen deep into coverage and got picked off and you know they mic up the coaches and you could hear Pep Hamilton talking trying to talk him through the play back pylon back pylon back pylon ah and he didn't throw it to the back pylon <laughs> I don't know how these coaches keep from like not cussing all over the place during a play like that so they're actually talking to their quarterback during the no, play no, uh, right well, before not, right well you you see the offense coordinator the head coach like actually call the play behind right. their score sheet right. and, and then they show the split screen of the quarterback like nodding his head right, right. and understanding and, and then, then right, right. but then they also mic the coaches and hear what they're saying while the play is going on how do they on. not cuss right right cuz i mean <laughs> It was showing exactly what Pep, Pep, Pep was saying during the play, uh, which his quarterback committed his fourth turnover of the game. Yeah, right. and uh, yeah. yeah, but but I, I thought I saw one replay where uh, the replay official talked through it and, and everything, and, and it went it went by Pretty quick. Cool, right? It didn't take two minutes, you know, like the NFL does. Uh, uh, I know. So I was impressed by it. Uh, now the thing is, it, this is a certainly a made for television 
product. Yeah. Uh, if anything, once people figure out how great it is to watch on TV, they're going to stop going to games <laughs> and watch them on television. Mm. Now the, the 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 counterpoint is the tickets are cheap. Like you get season tickets to like the DC team for like a hundred bucks. Yeah. So that's the counterpoint to it. But it's 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 a made for television product in my opinion. Yeah. But but I enjoyed it for sure. So yeah. this, so that makes me think about there. There was an episode of the old TV show Mash where uh, I've heard of that show. Colonel Potter. I think it was Potter. Uh, Harry. Yeah. Harry. Harry Potter. Whatever. Yeah. Harry Potter, <laughs> Henry <laughs> Potter, Colonel Potter. He he was kind of a yeller. He was that kind of guy. And then his doctor told him to quit yelling because his blood pressure was going up. It was bad for his health. So he spent the entire episode swallowing his aggression. And then finally he figured out at the end of the episode to just cut loose and yell that that actually made him feel better. So I think about that when I, I think about Pep Hamilton just going, oh, Mike, I cannot cut loose. Yeah. yeah. Best part of the XFL so far, go back to last week, they interviewed Matt McGloin, the quarterback for New York at halftime. And uh, they're like, what do you need to change your halftime? They only scored three points. And he said on live TV uh, to the effect of, we need to change everything at halftime right, right. now. And what they're calling is not working. <laughs> so they come out. They show the reporter telling the coach what he said. Then they show the coach talking to McGloin saying, you can't say that. And then McGloin comes out to start the second half, and what does he do? Throws an interception. Throws a, not just an interception. A pick throws six. Throws a pick six. That, that, this, that would be like. <laughs> and then they interview him about it on the sideline. So, it's so, amazing. So, so imagine Hendon Hooker getting interviewed at halftime. <laughs> him saying, we need to stop running jet sweeps and let me throw it. <laughs> and, then, and, and then the second half, he comes out and throws a pick six. <laughs> and then they get to interview him about it. Right, right as he right runs off the sideline. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, but, 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 but for the record, Hendon Hooker will not criticize. No, the and, and by the way, there's an excellent video that uh, it's part of a series that Hokie Sports is is doing. Yeah, VT Football Twitter, because, right? Yeah, the or Hokies FB. Hokies now, FB. The new handle. Yeah, you're right. They changed it from VT okay, underscore right. football. Yeah, uh, really excellent. About a 10 minute video of Quincy Patterson and Hendon Hooker just sitting in a chair opposite each other. Kind of like y'all are just talking to each other about various topics. Mm, wonder and, where they got that idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, about various topics in Virginia Tech football right now, uh, including their thoughts on jet sweep. Right. And uh, so the I, hard hat I, series. I yeah, yeah, that's it. that's what it's called. So, and you know, I don't know how many they're going to have, or how regularly they're going to be coming out, or who else is going to participate. But uh, yeah, not a, not a lot of of college football players in particular can do that you right know, right they're, yeah they're, it's, it's it's not an easy setting so you've got to pick which ones are, right. are the right for it and everything right. but uh so tech fans like to complain no access to the program don't get to know the players what it's there for you to access now so i actually so, went on twitter and i said this is great i i this is way better than endless hype videos yes you know show the two players talking right about you know just stuff that that that's meaningful to them. right right that's on uh, Virginia Tech Twitter. I think it's on Instagram. I think it's anywhere. YouTube channel, I'm sure. But uh, that was really interesting. They, they covered a lot of topics, too. And what I found really interesting, too, is they, they didn't really hide or shy away from everything. They talked about yeah, how they, they were, there's no competition between the two. Or, I'm sorry, there's no um, rivalry, I think was the word they used, between each other, Quincy and, and Hendon Hooker. And they were very honest. You could tell it was very not scripted. It was two guys just sitting yeah, down and talking. Yeah, they did fine. And uh, I'll probably – I think I'll put that in a – maybe in – article update today because I, I don't think a lot of our fans like like sometimes fans they don't well, a lot of fans don't have twitter yeah. and then if they weren't on the boards that day that it got linked on the boards and they didn't see it so uh and I'll, and some people they, they just don't pay as close attention this time of year anyway that's right yeah. so uh we we'll we need we'll we'll turn that into an archive and make it more more available to people yeah. That was on Twitter this weekend again this is Tech Sideline podcast episode 120 brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm uh, before we dive in and talk about Virginia Tech men's basketball, uh, a couple of uh, notes here at TSL. We've got an exciting podcast coming up on Wednesday at 9.30 in the morning as Virginia Sports Hall of Fame writer David Teal joins the podcast. Will, how thrilled are you and how excited are you for that podcast? Oh, this is just the beginning. We're going to, we're you know, we appreciate Andy Bitter coming on. And we appreciate David Teal coming on, you know, assuming it doesn't fall through, but I, I don't think that'll be an issue. Teal's going to be in town to cover the Tech EVA basketball game Wednesday night. So we talked him into coming into town a, a night earlier, and he'll come in Wednesday morning, do the podcast, and then, you know, hang out Wednesday and do the game Wednesday night. Um, but this is uh, this is the next evolution of the podcast. Um, 
you've sat and listened to us talk to each other for almost 120 episodes. And, and so we want to have more people on and we've, we've been talking to different people about coming on and, you know, I'd, I'd like to have a guest every Wednesday during the off season. Uh, we'll see, you know, this, this stuff is, can be difficult to manage schedules and things like that, but looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, we'll certainly ask him some questions about, you know, about Michael Vick and, and Ronald Curry back in the day and, and some, yeah, I'm sure it'll, it'll, it'll be good. Uh, David's got a lot of experience doing this sort of thing, so uh, we're looking forward to it. A one-hour podcast, you could probably do like 10 episodes of those with David Teal. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't so, be able to tell all his stories. Yeah, we were actually, we were all, all of us TSO podcast guys were texting last night. We're like, how are we going to keep this around an hour? So it may wind up being an hour 15, hour and a half. We'll see. Yep. Uh, quickly, what's on TechSideline.com right now, Chris? I know a lot of great content. I'm going to ask Will. Goodness, uh, I'm trying to remember. Well. Let's see. Friday. I, I haven't read Brandon's article, Brandon Patterson's uh, article yet about the passing game. I've yeah, read that it's, one. Yeah, it's very, very detailed. Yeah. Very detailed. Um, if you think about, if you read Brandon's article and then you watch an XFL game and hear a coach's play call, uh, you'll get an idea of how complicated football is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy read at all. Not an easy read at all. So uh, set aside but, but some time is what you're saying. Set aside some time and make sure you go into it with a clear head. See, like I was, you don't I was, have you don't have cobwebs or anything like that because you won't be able to you won't be able to really take it in unless unless you're having a good day mentally. So um, I, I was too busy cleaning out over my garage to really sit down and right. read Brandon Patterson's article. Well, we'll have a <laughs> we'll have a Brandon Patterson scouting report on Khalil Herbert later today. Cool. Um, we ran a women's basketball article on Saturday about the great great season they're having and as soon as we ran that they, they lost to uva by 10 at home i think there's a lesson there <laughs> we'll talk about that in just a little bit uh and still on TexIsland.com right now uh will is unhinged an yes. article that you wrote last week uh after you published it i know it got a lot of traction on social media and the boards what was the feedback you got and just what are your reflections almost a week removed from uh, writing it so I've talked to a couple of people. It's basically about people going going nuts on the message boards and just completely losing it. And I tell three pretty interesting stories. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, <clears throat> somebody said, oh, you should make that free. And I'm like, I'm not going to make it free to encourage the people that do that sort of behavior, you know. Uh, but I've been telling people uh, – I, I, I'm always conflicted when I write articles about TSL, about the business of TSL, about running TSL, because there's a portion of our user base that finds it interesting, but it's a little self-indulgent. You know, we're, we're not a website about tech sideline. We're a website about Virginia tech sports. So I write it and I'm like, I think this is good. And you go to click submit, you know, and have that thing show up on the website. And you're like, should I really do this? And you go doink. And then you just wait to see what happens. Yeah. And, and typically my instincts on this stuff are good. It was well-received and people were like, wow, they read it and said, I, I had no idea that kind of stuff went on. And uh, one of these days I'm going to make a mistake <laughs> and people are just going to answer, uh, why did you run this? You know, but that's not the case with Unhinged. It was uh, one of the things that was interesting about it was it wound up with 130 comments on it. And again, this is a, that's, it's a that's subscriber a article. That's one of the biggest, most commented articles. Yeah, so I, so I go into our uh, uh, story database and I click on, I sort on the number of comments. And that is, it landed about fifth or sixth all time in number of oh. comments. Um, and I, I looked at this, so it had 130 comments, only about 10 of which were from me. So most of them were from readers. Uh, the most commented article ever was an article I wrote after Virginia Tech lost to Cincinnati in the 2012 football season. At <laughs> FedEx Field? At FedEx Field. Interesting. To that, Munchie Lego. To Munchie, yeah. So that article got over 200 comments. And I will admit, I didn't have a chance to really look through it and see <clears throat> what I wrote. But apparently it made a lot of people mad. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I think you realized maybe a little bit before everybody else that, you know, that was a season Virginia Tech's 10-win uh, streak stopped. Yeah. And so at that point, it's still early in the season. That's like late September. They had, they had already lost, I think. Had they already lost to North Carolina? Uh, I know – I don't know the sequence, but I know they'd lost right. some games before but, that. But, but, but it, it was clear, yeah, they had given up like over 500 yards or 600 yards to North Carolina. Wow. And, and oh, yeah, the, four, the 48-34 game. Yeah, exactly. Then they got stomped up at Pittsburgh at some point. I don't know if this right. is before or after the yeah, Cincinnati game. Yeah, uh, that would have been before. 
Yeah. I think Pitt was the first loss of the season. Started off 2-0, and then lost to Pitt. Then I think came back and won. Well, then lost to UNC. You can look it up, Evan. I mean, and then the I think I, th- I think I think Tech might have been three and three after that Cincinnati mm, loss. Yeah, or maybe four and three at best. Something like that. So it was looking like the the ten win streak was coming to an end, as it as it did. And and I played Canary in the coal mine on that one and said some things that that rubbed people the wrong way. Right, and and, and it was one of those things where, you know, Tech had had rough starts to seasons before. I mean, starting. 0 oh, and 2 in 2010, and they came back and won the ACC. Yeah. So you know you probably got some backlash from the from like from people who were like, oh, but we've had bad starts before, and we've rallied to win yeah. 10 games. So Evan, what's the? So that was the season actually. Uh, one of my favorite Tech football memories that the uh, the kickoff return I believe on Monday night against Georgia Tech. Yeah. Uh, that was Tech won 2017. That was 2010. Was it okay? We that need, would make we need, sense. We need twenty twelve. This yeah. is twenty twelve. They beat. I was assuming that was when oh, they beat we, Georgia we, Tech on a Monday. We need to, we need to teach you to use the TechSideline.com pass schedules instead of Hokie Sports. TechSideline is a much easier site to navigate than Hokie yeah. Sports. When it comes to pass schedules, yeah. When it comes to pass schedules, they did beat Austin P after that, uh, and then uh, they lost to Pitt thirty five seventeen. Beat Bowling Green thirty-seven nothing. Then lost to Cincinnati twenty-seven twenty-four. Following week, lost to North Carolina forty-eight thirty-four. Okay, so we're three and three after the UNC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I will so, uh, I will use that uh, now for now on moving forward. So, like I said, I played Canary in the coal mine a little bit, and people didn't like it. And another article people didn't like that drew a lot of comments, and I didn't check and see how many times this was uh, commented on. And I don't even remember when I wrote this article, but it was called Endgame. I remember the title. It was Endgame. And I studied the careers of uh, Joe Paterno, um, Tom Osborne, a couple other legend, uh, Don Nealon, George Welsh. And I kind of broke their careers out into phases where they they built things up. They got started. Then the middles of their careers where they were at their best. And then the years where they tailed off at the end. And... Um, I basically said, unless things are um, different for Frank Beamer, this is what's happening to him now. And that wasn't well received either and got a lot of comments. And, and it's funny, you go back and read these articles. I've looked at the comments to Endgame before, and there's about eight or ten people in there that threaten to cancel their subscriptions. And of those eight or ten people, almost all of them are still subscribers. Um, so it's, it's interesting to go back and look yeah. through that old stuff. Again, that's all on TechSideline.com right now. It's a great time to become part of the family. $84.99 is the annual price. $849 is the monthly price. And $29.99 is the student price. All right, without further ado, let's jump into Hokie basketball uh, talk. Tough week for Virginia Tech men's basketball. Uh, started with a triple overtime loss to Miami on Wednesday. If it weren't for an and-one foul at the end of regulation, Tech might have won two in a row. And then an 88-64 loss in Durham. Tech had its second largest halftime deficit since joining the ACC to Duke on Saturday. Tough week for Tech. Will, I'll start with you. How do you put into words the last two games for Tech in the week they just went through? Well, I I went on Twitter and I basically said losing to, and I probably said this on the podcast the other day when we were previewing it, losing to Boston College and Miami four times in one season is just... Uh, you know, ugh. And and the there were what bothered me about that game is yeah, I know Tex Young, et cetera, et cetera. They had four point leads late in I, I didn't go go back and check, but they may have had a four point lead late in regulation, at least one of the first two overtimes, and they were just unable to to close Miami out, unable to, you know, stomp on their neck and finish them off. And, and so that bothered me. And the other thing that I will remember about that game is when the third overtime started, uh, I think, you know, just the vibe in Castle, the fans were spent. They were done. Oh, they were leaving. That was a 9 o'clock game. They started leaving at the end of regulation. Yeah. I, I saw. I slowly started pe- seeing people leave the castle at the end of regulation. Then I saw some more leave after the first overtime. Then yeah, I saw some more leave, leave after, after the, the second, second overtime. overtime. Yeah. yeah. So it was steadily emptying out. Yeah. And, and they, they managed to hang in there through the first two overtimes, but just couldn't bring the noise in the third. And then Miami took the lead in the yeah. third overtime, and that just quieted the crowd even more. You know, and, and me personally, I was sitting there with uh, – uh, 
fellow that goes way back, Galax Hokie. He used to do the Hokie Hotline notes for us, and we were watching the game. Bless his heart. And there, and there were four or five or six guys behind us who were just jabbering away about anything but basketball. And they finally left at the end of the second overtime, you know. So those are the things I remember for that game. Just man, that I, that's that's one that that I wanted the team to get into the win column. They were. Uh, that's the only time I've all year where I've seen them depressed after a game. Yeah. Um, Jalen Cohn wasn't depressed because he, he's a naturally a positive person. Um, he was actually a really good interview uh, after the game. Uh, he's got a high basketball IQ, and he talked about how difficult Miami is to, to guard with certain lineups because one through five, every single one of them can beat you off the dribble, which makes them a tough matchup because they can win every single one-on-one matchup on the court. Now that they've got all their players back, they got one of the best backcourts in the ACC. They're still not a very good defensive team, but their offense is really, really good now that they've got all their pieces. Yeah, Miami so, recruits well. They're talented. So I was, I was actually more disappointed in the first loss to Miami when they were without likes and when McGusty – was in his first game back and just wasn't anywhere near 100%. Tech played a horrible game that night against a team that was extremely shorthanded. They played a much better game this time around against a team that had all its players. Um, So I was more disappointed in the first game uh, against Miami than than I was this one. Um, You know, uh, Tyrese Radford after the game, he struggled to find find the words, and that that's common for guys who are who are extremely disappointed after losses, um, like, like that. So, you know, this team. I mean, they are who they are. Uh, we've been saying it for the last few weeks. The conversation is not going to change very much for the rest of the season. I think one of the reasons they have trouble, and you saw that against Miami. One of the reasons they have trouble finishing games out is the the lack of players on the court who can can take you to the rim and create their own shot. Well, and Miami's got a team full of them, and Virginia well, Tech doesn't. Uh, I actually wanted to have this conversation um, regarding Wabisa Beatty because I saw it brought up again on the boards, and I, I might put this into an article or I might not. But the calls to to bench Beatty are are, are becoming unreasonable. Yeah. Um, if you think about Beatty as a pass first point guard, right? So look, all right. So so got, so he's a guy that for him to be able to utilize all of his strengths has to be in the right situation. Which, uh, you know, I guess is not – for the most part, that, that's how most players are. Most right. players in college basketball have to be in the right situation to, be, to appear to be really good players. So, as a, fa- as a pass-first point guard, let's take a look at who he has to pass the ball to as a starting line, in the starting lineup. All right, P.J. Horn, who can only shoot three-pointers and apparently can only do that once a month, maybe once every two months. Can't so his center is six five and can't make a shot inside the three point line, or is it willing to, or it is being told by the coach not to shoot them? You know, it's hard to say. I just don't think he can do it. Yeah. Um, you got Landers Nolly, who's what eight of his last forty five, something like that. All right, and, and defenses are making Landers put the ball on the floor, and it's so so fifty percent of his passing options right now can't. Or, or either can't score or or one of the most inefficient offensive players in the country, right. which is Landers right now. And then of his other two options, Tyrese Rafford's a really good player, but he's not a shooter. He's a driver, right? He can only score in in, in the lane. He's a driver and a rebounder right. and that right. guy. So there's really only one player for him, for Wabidi to pass the ball to amongst the starters, and that's Naheem Aline. Yeah. Um, so it's just a – it's not a well-constructed lineup, uh, which is not surprising. It's it's Mike Young's first year. Um, we've seen Ojiako play more. I would start Ojiako and play him 30 minutes a game at this yeah. point. Tech is not going to make the NSA tournament, and he is the highest ceiling of, of Virginia Tech's big men by And far. you can see him improving. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And I think if, if, if Ojiako is on the court, then I, I don't think you can take – Nolly out in a regular matchup. I know they benched him for the second half against Duke, but in a regular game where Virginia Tech has a chance to win, if you if you insist on playing PJ Horn a lot of minutes at five, then you have to keep Landers Nolly on the court 
because if you have a six seven small forward who can get seven rebounds a game, that guy absolutely has to be on the court. If your center is six five and he can't rebound, so I, I don't know what the stats are after the Duke game, but after the Miami game, Nolly was Tech's leading rebounder on the season, he had like just three, a, sm- a smidge ahead of Rad. He had like three straight games of uh, double yeah. digit rebounds, five straight but, games where he led the team in rebounding. But if you if you put Ojiako on the court, then you don't need Nolly's rebounding as much. So you can do something like put Jalen Cohn in the game to play off Wabi Sabidi. Oh, yeah. And I actually think that's people will, people for some reason want Jalen Cohn in there over Beattie, and Jalen Cohn's not a point guard. Jalen Cohn has 17 assists all year, which is like the second least on the team. Right. Um, like Isaiah Wilkins, who barely plays, has over twice as many assists as Jalen Cohn. No kidding. Yeah. Um, so Beatty and Cohen, I think, need, on the, being on the court together would help each other. But I think it's tough to have Cohn in there at the same time Horn is in there because they're, as, both, as they're, said they're both so short. Yeah. Uh, but if And if Horn's in the game, you have to play Nolly 35 minutes, 30 to 35 minutes or so because, you know, you just need a rebounder in there because you've got a 6'5 center and Horn's not a good rebounder. But right. if you play Ojiako more – you know, the guy had nine rebounds two games ago, and then he had, I think, six rebounds the, the next game. So he's I, – I think I ran his stats, his numbers per 40 minutes in my article on Friday called The Case for John Ojiako. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think playing Ojiako more would help you not only at that position, but it gives you a little more leeway and maybe playing Cone with Beattie. And, and I think Cone on the court with Beattie – with Aileen at the other guard spot, gives Virginia Tech a better scoring opportunities, in my opinion. But at this point in the season, you're 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 grasping at straws. I mean, this is still a freshman laden team. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, I I want to I want to be on record here for defending Beatty. I mean, he yeah. is he is he is part of a lineup that is just it's not suited to his strengths. Now that said. Um, <laughs> My wish for Wabisabidi is that we, he would have more confidence in himself. He gets into the lane and just does not go for it. And I think he should. And I've said this before on the podcast. Um, he's a strong player. Um, and, and I think that's fans' frustration with him. They're used to somebody seeing somebody get the penetration he gets and then do something with it. And I'm not, I'm not talking about J-Rob here. I'm talking about most point guards in general. You know, so, so – um, it was. It's one thing if you're looking at beating, you're like, well, he shouldn't do that because he can't. I don't agree with that. I think he can. I think when you know, but we've beaten that subject to death. Uh, you know, it's it's Chris's opinion that he is what he is. He's not a scorer, and he's not gonna be. He's 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 basically playing as the scouting report said he would play coming out of high school. So th- yeah. this is pretty much the guy I expected. And it's late in his junior year, you know, and and uh, you know, you can you can if you're the coach, you can tell him, listen, next time you're in the lane. Put it up, um, and if he's not going to put it up, he's just not going to do it. So, anyway, yeah, no, I think it's a good discussion because I, I, I I'll, I'll double down with Chris too. I think Wabisabi is a very talented basketball player, and yeah. it, it, it does sometimes annoy me that uh, you know fans just don't don't get it with him and what he brings to the team as a someone who can you know again he's well, a true point th- guard. Well, he, think, he, he knows his role and he does it well. He's got I mean, he's got to be on the right team with the right personnel to get the most out of his own ability. Like think about Ty, Ty Outlaw for a second, good player. Yeah. Right, but imagine Ty Outlaw on a team with nobody who could penetrate and kick out. Yeah. yeah, like he'd literally just be standing around the three-point line with nothing to do. So, and and one disappointing part about the Miami game is that Beatty's a good on-ball defender, and even he couldn't stop. Yeah, uh, who Wong. was it? Wong, Wong yeah. from and Wong only shot six of sixteen, but he made a bunch late. Yeah, he made the clutch ones late. You know, Wong really had to play a lot more. When, when they had a bunch of injuries. Yeah. And it was about eight or nine games ago where he really started taking off, and I think he's averaged about 17 or 18 points a game mm. since then. So now they've got all their players back, plus as a result of all that extra playing time, Wong just kind of got better overnight. Some freshman hit the wall, and he did not. He went over the wall. Yeah. Because um, yeah. he was a top 75-ish recruit coming wow. out of high school, a highly touted kid. You can see it, yeah. Yeah. So here's what I want to do, because again, we, we we have a lot of the same discussions with basketball, and I want to try and switch it up a little bit here before. Yeah, we let's move just on. skip the Duke game and move on. Yeah, here, here's what I want to do. Um, two things left for basketball. One, I did this a couple weeks ago. We're near the end of the season. I want to do the Rose Bud and Thorn 
game for Tech men's basketball right now. We did this about a month ago when they were like four and two in ACC play. For those that don't remember, you've got three three parts: Mass Will and Christus. You've got your Rose, which is great right now. Things are like this is like the this is the the best. The bud is what's blossoming, and you can see it developing. And then your thorn is your thorn. So, Tech men's basketball, and this can be a player. This can be a yeah, part of the if, team. If, so, if you want to make a player-centric, the uh, Jalen Cohn is, well, you know, Tyrese Radford. So, I'll tell you, if you look at Tyrese Radford the last couple of games, he's trying to do more, and sure enough, his shooting percentage he, is dropping. It's, it's dropping, but he did hit a mid-range jumper. Yeah, he did. Yeah, get, get, which <laughs> is good to see. And his free-throw shooting – I would say over the last month or so has gotten better, which is a good indicator that he is capable of developing a jump shot, yeah. which as his career goes by, he's going to develop into a better shooter. So he'll shoot more, which means his percentage is going to go down. He's not going to shoot 65% his whole career. That's unrealistic to yeah. ask a six one yeah. guard. Particularly now that he's trying to do more. Um, so, so the rose for me is between Radford and Cone. I'm, I'm just still blown away by Cone's pure shooting ability. The, uh, What's the blooming one? What's the bud. The bud. The bud's Ojiako, mm-hmm. and and the the thorn right now is Landers Nolly's shooting. It's it is what it is. I mean that statement self explanatory. I don't need to expand on that. The percentage. No. I, I think uh, going into the Duke game, he had shot thirty three percent in his last eight or nine games combined, something like that, and that includes one game where he shot pretty well. So yeah, I pretty much agree with all that. With with, with regarding Jalen Cohn. Follow his dad on Twitter, and, and a week or so ago, his dad was advertising a shooting camp down in North Carolina. Oof. So his dad do, was doing a two-hour camp on shooting technique, jump shooting technique. So Jalen Cohn came up in a household with a with a dad who could teach him shooting technique. It and, shows, and, man. Yeah, and it really shows, doesn't it? Man. Can I go to that camp? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Help me at McComas Hall pick up games. Well, you got to be <laughs> able to jump like Jalen Cohn first. I mean that. I would, I would I'd like, like to get. Oh, I can't wait. One day he's going to get in the open court and dunk. I don't think people realize. How I remember. Fast I remember a month or, or a month or a month and a half ago, it almost happened. Yeah. And uh, since he was getting ready to break away, somebody on the other team fouled him, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh man, that that would have been the moment. Yeah. I still remember a dunk Bimbo Coles had. It was the week where so everybody remembers Bimbo had fifty-one points against uh, uh, Southern Miss one time in a double overtime game. What nobody remembers is that he followed that up against Cincinnati at home in the next game with like 38 or 39 points. And that included a breakaway dunk where he reversed it and Ooh. and dunked it behind his head. And there's a picture that ran on the cover of the Hokie Huddler. And we're talking a guy who he's probably close to six feet tall. He's not a tall individual. And he is, he is coiled up with his hands like this. I mean, he's turning his head to not hit it on the rim, you know, and, I want to see. Jay, I'm not saying Jalen Cohn can jump like Bimbo Coles, but he can jump pretty well, and I want to see him get in the open court. People always like uh, try to have discussions about the best dunk in tech history and everything like that. I obviously didn't see that one, but apparently yeah. it was very good. I always get a reminder on Facebook, like like once a year, there was a dunk Dorenzo Hudson had on Ish Smith in Castle Coliseum. Ooh, yeah, Wake NBA Forest. player Ish Smith. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right over him. And our photographer got a fantastic picture of it from the stands before we had a press pass. Right. And I put the picture on Facebook, so I get the reminder once a year, like eight years ago today. You put this shit, up. Yeah, exactly, yeah. or whatever. And I don't remember what that – I think it was maybe like 2011, but uh, I don't remember exactly what it looked like on video, but I remember what it looked like live. And the picture we got is fantastic. Huh. Um, I'll try to put it up. I'll pull yeah, you it should up put and, that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so that that so I've got to remember actually to save that the next time people are talking about great donks on the board to remember that Durenzo Hudson donk. All right, last thing I want to say about basketball because th- this is kind of fun. Uh, did you guys see uh, David Conahan put this out on Twitter? He was covering the game in Durham. Uh, the Cameron Crazies notes on each Tech player. Did you guys see this? Yeah. yeah. The Would you cheat get, sheet? Is that what they call the it? The cheat sheet. So I have it up. I'm just going to read a couple that stood out to me. And I, Chris, I don't know if you saw this, but under John Ojiaco, yeah. they put, which was wrong. They should have said tech sideline, but they said basically we posted the article, the case for John Ojiaco. Is it typical to have to make a case for your own player with a question mark? <laughs> which I just found like I can't believe they went to that great of depth. They had. Uh, I mean, it's dedication and pure. Dorkiness, that that cheat sheet, man. 
It's culture. I don't know what to think about. Like they had it. Brandon Johnson shot the ball over the backboard twice during his tryout for his high school basketball team his freshman I mean, year, but was kept only because he's tall. That's, like that, that's, <laughs> that's 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 very impressive research. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how I they're. Didn't know uh, that. But how do they use these things? Like during the I, right? Of the do game? they just well, remember chanting? they're right on top of the court, so they can actually yell stuff yeah. and the players can hear it. Yeah. Ryan Payne, when they said to bring the pain, I don't think Ryan is what they had in mind. <laughs> like this is just kind of mean, but at the same time, I mean it's you know it's fun spirited. So, anyways, if you <laughs> see that, I mean it's just a list of every single player. Like they've got Cabongo about how he raps. I mean they've. They, I give them an A plus for their uh, oh yeah their effort yeah, yeah they've always so. done that yeah. um, good research all right let's do this uh, let's transition now we're gonna kind of go rapid fire around uh, different tech athletics here before we take your questions on Facebook Live start doing that now Malcolm we'll get to those uh, we've got a couple sports to get through let's start with uh, staying with winter sports I want to start with Virginia Tech women's basketball because they uh, came into yesterday tied for fourth. I want to say, or tied for third in the ACC. They are twenty and six and ten and five in the ACC when Tech sideline doesn't write about them, and they are zero and one when Tech sideline does write about yeah. them. And they, uh, Asia Shepard, yesterday scores over thirty points Ooh, for Tech. She had been uh, not scoring well lately, right? I don't think so. Yeah, you I don't think no so. so Was she the what? Did she hit the three to force overtime? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I thought she had been shooting well, but I could be oh, totally wrong. Yeah. Uh, she, I mean, so she was eight of fifteen from three yesterday. Jeez, um, scores thirty-two points. And uh, Tech, they're playing UVA. They're coached by uh, Tina Thompson, the uh, great, the WNBA great Tina Thompson. Their second mm-hmm. year, they have a losing record, and they yeah. average sixty-one points coming into the game. They That's score cool. over eighty. And uh, Tech, just the story of the game was they got into foul trouble early. Taj Cole. UVA, UVA won the game 86-76, by the way. And it really wasn't a double-digit game. It was really like a three-point game the whole way. And then it, it was it tied at the end of the third quarter, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the last-second shot that I saw. Probably. It, was, yeah. it made it 64-64? Yes, yes. And then they was, actually took the... it back because their foot was on the line, so it was actually 64-63 oh, okay. going into the okay. – uh, But it, it was way closer than a 10-point game. It was just, you know, when you get yeah. to foul, foul shots sure. and, then, you yeah. know, it ends up yeah. being a 10-point game. But So, Tech's in a position now where they host Duke on Thursday. Um, Duke is very close to Tech in the standings. Uh, I want to say – I don't have this in front of me, but they were tied for fourth going into yesterday. Of course, top four get a double bye. Uh, in the ACC tournament, so that's important. And then they close with Louisville on Sunday. So tough loss on senior. Yeah, day. UVA was one they really needed. They up uh, so um, UVA came in with a eleven and fifteen, six and nine record, and that yeah. was at home. It's, it's not going to cost them the NCAA tournament. No, bit or they've anything, got that but, locked but, up. You know, it, it's going to cost them seeding. Um, it cost Virginia Tech Commonwealth Clash point. Yep, half point, half a point. Um, so you go, so you lose football this year for the first time in in, in sixteen years. You got to make up for it somewhere else for the Commonwealth Clash, and you beat them on the road, but then you lose to them home. at home. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so again, that Duke one is at Thursday at seven. That that is maybe the most important game of the year now for Tech women's basketball. Yeah. So Louisville and NC State are well ahead of everybody else. Duke is ten and five, and then Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Boston College are all ten and six. Yeah. So yeah, they they. So that was it, an opportunity to. Be eleven and five, and instead they've dropped and, and back be all back. alone in third right. place. Right. Yeah, so instead they're in a tie for fourth. Yeah. yeah, and so they lost to Duke in overtime in the beginning of ACC play. So uh, that should be a really big game. And then you know Louisville, Louisville's Louisville. I mean, it'll uh, yeah, you know, it'll be a tough one for sure. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. they're capable. They can shoot like they have, you know. And but yeah, Cole got into foul trouble. Baptiste was in foul trouble. It was just. You know, they, well, they relied on freshmen in they, that first half. They've just got to come back. Uh, you got to come back after a disappointing loss, like the Duke men's team came back after a disappointing <laughs> loss. There you go. Yeah. No, I, I didn't even really think about that, how they were probably really upset about that uh, NC State oh, game. Uh, uh, Coach K said, flat out said at his press conference, he was like, yeah, we didn't compete. So, you know, when a head coach says you don't compete, that he's mad. And it's Coach K yeah. saying that. Yeah. Uh, Will, uh, some uh, tough one for Tech Wrestling this weekend. They go to uh, Pittsburgh, a top-10 team. Uh, the duel comes down to the heavyweight spot, and uh, Tech ends up falling 18-13. The team score three losses in uh, ACC this year, in the ACC. What, so, what bothered me about that was Hunter Boland losing. Yeah. Ranked this second, is second one of the year. Ranked second in the country in, in wrestling. A guy, I don't remember his name, who was ninth. And, and Boland had a 6-2 lead. Yeah. And... Got tied up seven seven, went in overtime, and he lost in overtime. And 
you know, it's it's interesting if you watch a lot of wrestling and, and you lose 18 to 13, you think about, I do anyway, I think about that one match. I think about that, that one match that if it goes the other way, then it's 16-15 tech wins. Well, you know, when they lost to NC State, they lost one match with five seconds left, and another match with like twenty seconds right, left. Right, right. And that was the that was the difference. Um, and, and it and it's like we've talked about before: ten weight classes, right. ten twenty five seconds of wrestling, ten time. matches throughout yeah. the night, and it comes down to these moments. It's yeah. just like football and basketball; it comes down to these moments. You know who's killing it right now is uh, the freshman. Um, his name, his name, last name starts with an Andonian. A. Andonian. Andonian. Oh, Bryce that, Andonian. That, that's how you pronounce yeah. it. Yeah, okay, Andonian. He, he's we, we, we've run an article on it. Jake, Jake Lyman wrote an article on him. Uh, he had another major decision. Yeah. And it wow. seemed like before that, whenever I'm looking at it, it's like he wins by pinfall, wins by pinfall, right. and then wins by major decision. So uh, yeah, this is someone who's redshirting. They pulled his red, red shirt yeah. here, and, and he's yeah. been sensational. Wow. Yeah, he's been excellent. So you just think, I mean, still, I mean, Tech, uh, you know, they go 11 and three on the year, but now the ACC tournament's next, March 8th, and you know they can still win the tournament championship um that where, where day. is it this pittsburgh year? pittsburgh okay so um but you know certainly again it just again the acc i mean if we sound like a broken record saying it gets better and be- pittsburgh in the top 10 nc state in the top 10 tech in the top 10 north carolina in the top 10 so and i believe i saw where uh pittsburgh is doing some uh facilities building and i think it includes a something similar to the ohio state building that we've talked about before the which is going to be like a 3,000, 3,500-seat arena that's going to be used for wrestling and volleyball. Um, I don't know the details on what Pitt's doing. I just saw the artist rendering for a 3,500-seat arena, and I'm pretty sure that's what it's for because it, that's, you know, I think that's a thing athletic departments are starting to do is combine those two sports right. in the same area. Yep. Um, Two sports that had good weekends, though, for Virginia Tech. Yes. Let's end on a positive note. Uh, let's start with Tech baseball. We were talking about it before we went on the air. Uh, so the Hokies, after going 0-2 with their third game, rained out in the uh, in Conway, South Carolina, to open the year. Last uh, Tuesday, they had a nine-run second inning. They beat East Tennessee State, who was 3-0, and I think someone who will be a major uh, power in the SoCon, so it's not just a midway. I mean, it was a good SoCon yeah. team. Uh, and then this weekend, they go to Louisiana. They win two of three. And Chris, the bullpen was sharp this weekend. Yeah, it was much better. You know, the starting pitching has been good all year. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, obviously he didn't want to pitch him too many innings that opening weekend, but, uh, you know, he let, he let him go a little longer, it seemed like, in the, in the second series. But, when the bullpen was called upon, they were they were really good. And they were they were really good at, good at getting out of tough jams. Yeah, it seemed like in in the last game of this series with, with Louisiana. So they're Louisiana now, and not not uh, they, they, UL they, Lafayette. They were UL Lafayette, and before that, they were Southwest Louisiana. Wow. Yeah. 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 Virginia Tech played them in Lane Stadium in 1996 when they were Southwest Louisiana. Hmm. And, and every time I we talk about them, I think about the fact that Tech played them. And didn't they have a receiver who was born in – Born Black- in Blacksburg who went on to play in the NFL, I think, yeah. with the Colts. I don't well, remember, I don't yeah, remember his name. Slot receiver, yeah, I forget his name too off the top And then of I also head. remember that Ricky Bustle went and was their head coach for a while. You're exactly. Hustle yeah. up and bustle up. <laughs> but, uh, that was their slogan. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, impressive starting pitching. Uh, Ian Seymour on Sunday – was dominant and i think he's got something like what's his walk strikeout to walk ratio? i've got it right here so seymour has pitched nine innings on the year he has uh no i lost it i'm sorry i lost I, it was something like he's got 17 strikeouts to one walk yeah i know it's only pitched. one walk and yeah. how many innings nine innings he yeah. threw so that's, they only that's like angela tincher numbers well he, he threw three innings he was hurt in the offseason so they're, they're bringing him back slowly yeah. he was going to start last sunday but the game got rained out so they started him on tuesday against east tennessee state pitched him three innings yep. in his first first game and he pitched really well and then he was their sunday starter this past weekend and uh six innings and just dominated he, he i called the etsu game on tuesday and he struck out i think five consecutive batters over two innings i mean yeah. he gave up one run at double down the line i mean he he's just like oh, i'm getting all misty eyed really thinking good of, thinking of dwight gooden's glory days i, I, I saw I saw something about before the season, it might have been a Baseball America link where he's one of the top ten MLB prospects in the ACC. Yeah. So he's a, he's an elite pitcher. And what, year, what year is he? He's a junior. junior. He's draft junior. eligible uh, okay. this year. Yeah. Uh, so you've got him, and then uh, the emergence of uh, Anthony Simonelli is a starter for Tech this year. Uh, he's got a fastball in the uh, lower nineties. That's real. I think he's going to be a bright spot. And then Chris Gerard, the lefty. Yeah. I mean, it's a really strong weekend I, rotation. I think it's a strong rotation. Um, 
you know, I, I think the the bullpen will be better than, than yeah. it was in the Peyton Alford had that two inning yeah, save. Yeah. That was great but for him. They I should mean, be fine. Um, you know, the, the bigger concerns are, are defense and hitting because they gave up some honor and runs in that in that first series. Yeah. Um, I think in their Friday loss to Louisiana, both runs were unearned, right? Don't know. I, I, head, I think but, I think they were unearned. Now, granted, they lost two to nothing, but so it doesn't matter if they were earned or unearned when you don't score. But anyway, <laughs> still playing a lot of freshmen this Correct. year in, in the lineup. Yeah. Um, but, but a lot of them have been major contributors, though. Not to go oh, well, of but, course, of uh, course. But you know, yeah, they're going to struggle to hit, though. Yes. Well, especially when you get to ACC play yeah. too. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a different game. So, uh, so Tech is now three and three. Uh, they play Radford tomorrow at uh, 4 o'clock, and then they host Bryant this weekend. We assume um, they'll play Radford tomorrow at 4 o'clock. You never know this time of year with the weather in this in this area. Yep. This Will, would you like to make a – This is gnome. Will just started holding the gnome mid-conversation. Okay. <laughs> Hello, gnome. Uh, and then lastly, uh, before we get to your questions, Tanya, Tech Softball, twenty fourth ranked 24th in the country. We talked about the impressive weekend they had two weekends ago in Florida in the, what I call the Maui on steroids tournament uh, for softball. And uh, they go down to Charleston this weekend. They go 5-0. and They outscore opponents a combined 50-6, to um, and they're now 12-3 and on the year. Their freshman, um, Kaylee Hewitt, pitches a no-hitter against North Carolina A&T. Uh, competition wasn't the same, of course, as it was against Florida, but they're twelve and three, and and softball just continues to win. A no hitter is a no hitter, no matter who you're you're pitching against, right? Um, Fifty to six, the way they played last week against really really good competition against teams that could make a deep NCAA tournament run. You got to say that that ranking is totally fair. Yeah, and and they could even be top twenty. I agree. Uh, you know, so yeah, that, they look like a very, very good, very, very strong team. Where do they get Florida State this year? The final series nice. of the year in May in Blacksburg. Nice. Two or three games on the actual ACC Network channel. Nice. So that's gonna. I mean, and Tech this it, year. It's pretty cool. He has that right off the top of his yeah, head. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> He's not looking that up. Yeah. No, no. They did. Uh, did you see the? Sorry. The Duke pitcher in baseball this week, speaking of no hitters, pitched a perfect game. Wow. Yeah. Did not see I that. I did see yeah. that. Well, the, the, the only reason I saw it is because they honored him during the Tech-Duke basketball game, and they showed it on ESPN2 at one point during the oh, game. Yeah. yeah, the celebration was yeah. awesome for yeah. that. Yeah. So Anyway, uh, sorry to – No, you're yeah. good. So that's the thing. So tough weekend for the winter sports. But the spring sports, softball and baseball, good weekends. Lacrosse is also four and one now. Uh, they beat uh, Elon fourteen seven. Paige Petty, who's on the Tawarton watch list, which is the equivalency of the Heisman watch list, right? Uh, really high honor. Has twenty one goals in five games. Wow, not too bad. Not so bad at all. Uh, they have Cincinnati on Wednesday. So again, softball, baseball, and uh, lacrosse off to uh, very good starts. With that, we'll step aside for a break here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back, the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, he takes your questions and Will and Chris answer them. This is the Tech Sideline Podcast, episode 120, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Your official law firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies. Welcome back into the Tech Sideline podcast, recording on Monday morning, February 24th. This is episode 120. Evan Hughes, Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, and Malcolm Stewart. It's time for our Facebook Live question to end the show. And with that, we turn it over to the best producer on the land, Malcolm Stewart. Malcolm? <clears throat> oh, that's a little loud. Okay. Uh, let's start with... Gary Lyon. <laughs> Mike uh, Nolly is eight for his last 44 from Oof, the floor. It's one off. What's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> some of it's shot selection. Um, some of it is probably technique, although for, from a from a basketball standpoint, I, I don't have a good eye for stuff like that. Um, I just know when it's going in at the rate that Jalen Cone puts it in, it's probably good technique. <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when you're eight of 44, you could you probably use some work. Um so yeah, some of it's that, some of it's shot selection, some of it might be maybe he's just down right now. Some of it's you know the film is out and people have learned how to guard him and he hasn't learned how to how to make them pay yeah. in other ways. You, you know, it's it's like being a 
you see a rookie baseball player come up and he's hot for like the first two weeks. And then after that, opposing pitchers are like, well, maybe we should stop throwing him fastballs because anybody can hit a fastball. Let's try to try to throw some breaking balls, some off-speed pitches off the plate, and then they he starts striking out two or three times a game, and then it's up to him to make the adjustment to the adjustment. Right. And maybe Landers Nolly is at that point right now where he's struggling to make the adjustment to the adjustment. And if he was a baseball player, he'd be going back to AAA right now to work on it there. Uh, you don't obviously you don't have that luxury at the uh, in, in college basketball. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. You know, his dad made those comments about Landers going pro back in January. He said, "Is he said he's a pro? I'll be surprised if he's here next was year." That, was that his exact quote? Pre, yeah, I looked up the other. Okay, okay. And, Pretty and, and, much. No, no. I'll keep in mind that uh, he didn't say he's going pro. He said he's a pro, and then said, "I'll be surprised." He never, if he's here and next he did year. not mention NBA. He just said pro. That is now, correct. Now Landers' dad played his entire career after playing at LSU. Played overseas basketball for yeah. a long time, so he has a good feel for. The market and how things go. Yeah, you overseas. said he, he was on Tech Talk Live the other night, and he said his dad has basically been his coach his entire life, right? The, yeah, yeah, basically. So dad's uh, a big influence. The other thing was like Landers made that comment on Tech Talk Live about, oh, God, the pit game being so physical, and Landers felt good and could get a lot of rebounds. He felt good and prepared for a physical game because he lifted weights before the game. Yeah. And that made him more physical during the game. Interesting comment, and – that got a lot of discussion. It got, well, it, and as it, it, it should have. Um, did he have a hardcore workout where he was lifting a lot of weight? Right. Because if he did, that's not going to help your shooting. Now, if you have a light workout to get the muscles warmed up, you know that's fine. You can, uh, you you can, that can help you out actually. Uh, now, but he didn't specify. But the fact that he said it is is leading to some speculation that. Maybe he's not doing the things he needs to be doing before a game. I mean, if you're lifting, if he actually had a hardcore workout after, after, or excuse me, before a game, right? Even I, if it's uh, early in the day, that that's not that's not ideal. It, it depends. Um, you know, I, I remember in my youth lifting a few times before I played basketball, and at first it's pretty comical. But you loosen up after a while. Like you said, it depends upon how hard the workout Right, was. right. You know, you can do a light workout to just warm the muscles up and things like that, and that's perfectly fine. And you'll be a little rough at first, and then you quickly loosen up. All right. Next so. question. Jeez. I'm struggling with the mic today. Uh, Joseph Kennedy, what role do you see Dylan Rivers playing in the future? Uh, Dylan was giving up football with a, for a neck injury. Uh, that was announced right at the end of the season. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a, we had heard that. So no role. So no role. Uh, yeah. We had heard during the season that uh, he had hurt his neck previously and uh, could have, arguably should have, maybe even given up football before. So uh, we don't know when his injury occurred, at what point during his career, but it was before this past season. He just kept playing to be a special teams role player. Good, You know, good for him. Uh, but, yeah, it is uh, – Neck injuries ended his career. Uh, very sad to hear that. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Sure enough. All right, then. Any more, Malcolm? Is that it? Uh, that was January no, we, 2nd when that was announced. January 2nd. Yeah. Okay. We've got a couple more. Okay, good. Uh, Richie Gallimore, oh, what type of Richie. record would softball need to host a regional for the first That's time? That's a question ever? for Evan. So, the way it works for softball is the top 16 teams host a regional. Host a four-team regional. Correct. And right. Tech... Tech was probably just outside that. Top I think they were about last. twenty last okay. year. So, so softball is very dependent on the RPI compared to other sports, and um, they actually still use the actual RPI. Yes. Okay. And so, the ACC is not exact, not a deep softball conference, right? No, but it's it's getting a lot better. Uh, it's you know it's not the SEC where every team got in last year, and it's not the <laughs> Pac twelve, yeah. um, but. You know, so really, actually, I, don't quote me on this. I'm pretty sure, actually, the final RPI ranking, 1 through 16, that's how it's determined who hosts. Uh, actually, I could be wrong. I take that back. Actually, but it is a ma- – let me just say this. It's a major, major, major mm-hmm. tool and used to host. I take that back because I think Alabama got robbed of ho- – um, so um, – and what's important to be in the top 16, if you're 1 through 8, you also host the Super Regional. Mm-hmm. So if you're a 12 and you win – 
then you go you're on the road in super right. so that's why it's also important to get one through eight so last year tech was hovering at one point i think in like mid-april they were near like the uh, the low 20s high teens uh james madison was the closest to getting that 16 spot they ended up giving it to northwestern last year so I think bottom line is Tech's RPI is going to be a lot better this year for playing in that St. Yeah, Pete tournament. No uh, their non-conference schedule is much better this year in terms of RPI, and their ACC slates must bet much better. Last year they played the bottom three schools uh, in the ACC in Boston College, Syracuse, and Pittsburgh. This year they don't play either of those three in the regular season. And so they, they so, didn't, so wait a minute. Pitt is atrocious in women's basketball, and they're also really bad in softball? Not two years ago their coach left for Louisville, and they've been really bad. Yeah, really um, bad. Like I think last year we outscored them in three games, like 57 to I mean, I would imagine um, it's tough to recruit to Pittsburgh for, for sports yeah. like that. So I – mean, this year, like last year, Tech did not play Notre Dame. They've got them in a three-game series. They did not play Florida State, the 2018 National Champs. They've got them in a three-game series. Okay. So, again, I think they need to probably win about – I think they probably need to get to about 35 to 40 regular season wins. How many, how many do they play? I want to say like uh, – 50 to 55? 50 to 55. Okay. I don't know if that's and, – and, um, you know, they need to win some, you know, they need to take care of their business against, you know, like JMU and state will be a big one. And, you know, the more they win, but I think around that 35 to 40 spot. And again, being in the top 16 of the RPI is a necessity. So, okay. Good question. Good answer. Good <laughs> Sorry. Answer. I was really trying to think through. Uh, Eric Crocker asks, what are basketball expectations next year? Yeah. Hmm. Good question. And some of that, we don't know who tech's going to sign this year. We don't know how many they're going to sign. We don't know who they're going to sign. We so, don't know what's going to happen with knowledge. It's going to be right. It's going to be dependent on attrition. Right now, Tech, Tech, Virginia Tech, technically does not have room to sign anybody else in this class. Um, uh, you know, they, they could lose, but we know there's always attrition. There's always attrition every year in every program in the off season. Yeah. Tech will lose between one and three guys. Um, I don't know how many they'll take. They'll end up taking at least one. You know, maybe they won't take two or three. It, that'll be and maybe that'll be dependent on who I, who Mike Young thinks he can get. Yeah. This spring, uh, if he feels like he can get someone better in the 2021 class, he might pocket one of those scholarships for the next year. Because uh, you know you don't really need thirteen players uh, um, in any given year. Um, you need enough to practice. You need enough to practice. Um, five but, on five. But that thirteenth spot is not critical if you feel like you can fill it in a better way the next year. Right. Um, I don't think Young is going to be the type that goes the JUCO route very often or the grad transfer route unless they're players who have a lot of experience already in a system similar to his. Yeah, His system is one that needs to be learned over the course of four years, not not you recruit somebody who's unfamiliar with it and you just throw them right into the fire. Oh. Um, so I, I think he, this program is going to be built on, on high school players. Uh, Aluma is an exception, of course, because – he played. He played at Mike Young's system at Wofford with him. Uh, so, but but for the most part, this is going to be high school players. There's not going to be, there's not going to be a quick a Zach Lede, Seth Allen quick fix Man. coming in from from somewhere else here. So, you've, you've got to remain patient. Uh, expectations. I don't know what's going to happen with Nolly. That that's the main thing. Um, I think Joe Bamisil is a heck of a prospect, but he's also missing his senior year of high school with an injury. So there, there's going to be an adjustment period for him and a period of, of rustiness just because yeah. he had hasn't played, missed a whole season. Who's um, the other big one, Joe Bam and the Darius Maddox? Darius Maddox is yeah. another guard. Yeah. Bam is still people, people believe you know he might be an ideal point guard in Mike Young's system. He's 6'3", 6'4", right? He's listed at 6'4", and he's, yeah. he, he's a good scorer, really good scorer. be nice to have a 6'4 yeah. point guard. Yeah, no, no kidding. Um, uh, you know, I, I think the Tech is going to be significantly improved at the four and the five next year. Uh, Mike Young doesn't want to play Landers Nolly at the four. We asked him before the season, and he was like, "He's a three. We got to play him at the four, though." Yeah. I don't know that. I don't think he can guard the three. I don't think he's. Uh, he's just not a good defender right now. Uh, right. You put him against a four, and I, I don't know. One of those Duke guys just went right by him the other night. Mm. One of their power forwards who who's not known for going by people. Right. Uh, he's not a very good defender, so I don't really trust him defensively at any position. Um, I, Aluma will start next year. I, I would guess Aluma starts at four and Ojiako starts at five. Um, 
I would think that that'll make Tech significantly better. But at the same time, the ACC is down. Yeah, I was going to say, here's here's the, the problem. Virginia Tech can be a lot better, and the record won't get a lot better because the ACC is so bad this yeah, year. Yeah, everybody else is going to be better. Like like the Miami team this year who's won like 14 games, well, they've been hurt, man. Yeah. I mean, they've only had played like seven games with their top two scorers together. I mean, can you imagine Virginia Tech playing the whole year – without Tyrese Radford and Landers Nolly. So as you, as you look around the ACC, what one team in the ACC hasn't had a like a player miss a single game right. for injury? Right. Virginia Tech. Right. You know. Right. And we have been the most fortunate team in this league with regards remarkably to remarkably fortunate. Yes. Yeah. So and and some of those early wins were against NC State who was without their leading rebounder and leading scorer, yeah. the same guy that day. Uh Michigan yeah. State, you had uh, Cassius. Uh, no, he played. No, he played. You're, uh, Xavier he had... Tillman, I think his name is. Uh, their, their other big player okay. is out the uh, whole year. Right. Um, uh, oh, uh, Syracuse uh, Dolzhai fouled no, out early with North North. Well, uh, that they had they only had six players who played in that game right. because yeah. of injuries. Yeah. Uh, UNC obviously was missing Cole Anthony, but they were missing their third leading score too for that particular game. And he came back the next game and scored 27 against Miami. Right. Yeah. right. So Virginia tech has been extremely fortunate this year from an injury standpoint, both their own injuries and when they're facing an opponent. So yeah. that's going to even out next year. Yeah. Um, I want to make the NCAA tournament, Mike Young's third season. Um, that That's my goal. So expectations are, yeah, a little, little above flat. I, I also say. think he's going to play a more difficult schedule next year. Nah. Uh, he said at one point back in December when like, maybe Tech was like eight and three or nine and three or something like that. Somebody asked him about non-conference schedule. I mean, Tech basically played the worst non-conference schedule in, in the country this year. Coppin State, Delaware State, even with the Maui Invitational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even wow. with it, yeah. That's wow. how bad it was. For, uh, that's how USC bad the home State. games were. Um, and Mike kind of shook his head, and he was like, "I never want to not make the NCAA tournament because of non-conference schedule." Um, that said, that that's kind of an old school way of looking at it. I don't the that doesn't determine the NCAA tournament right. anymore. It used right. to. Now, strength of schedule is actually built in to. Oh, gosh, what the quadrant wins the net the net yeah the, yeah the it's it's built into all that stuff you know and and. And the NCAA tournament does – they look at a bunch of other metrics now, too, like that includes strength of schedule as part of the ranking it not as opposed to its own separate category over here. Right. So the chances of Virginia Tech being left out – okay, let's say they're they're 40th in, in, in the net or something like that. You know, they might have been 40th or 45th in the RPI, but their non-conference strength of schedule was – 347th or something like that so they're going to get left out but now the 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 formula that gets them ranked 40th in already includes strength of schedule as part of the formula right right yeah Yeah. so i don't think that matters as much anymore um i'm not saying tech needs to do exactly what they did this past season from a schedule standpoint but uh i i don't think it has the the bearing that it used to And, and and quite frankly it shouldn't because Tech is not in a position where they can compete financially with most other teams for for the, for buy games to get the best schedule games. I mean, to to do that, Virginia Tech would have to just give up a bunch of home games and pl- go play neutral, go play as many neutral site games as possible. Yeah. Which I don't think is ideal. You know, you know if you're a fan, you want to see your team play at home and things like that. But at the same time, you know. You have to bring in Maryland East or uh, Maryland Eastern Shore because you can't afford Marshall, right? Because you're getting outbid for Marshall. Yeah, everybody sits here and you know, not everybody, but people complain about the schedule year after year. It's money. It's that simple. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, you cannot afford to buy the better game. Right now, now everybody else wants to no, buy no, those games. Something you might have might need to consider if you want to improve it is two for ones. Like if Tech could get a two for one for against Marshall. Yeah. Uh, which means two home games and then a road game. Yeah, uh, Marshall might take that. Um, those are ways where maybe you could get, you can improve your schedule a bit. Um, but at the same time, you got to go on the road, and a lot of times when you go on the road to a mid-major, you lose because those mid-major yeah. teams never faced ACC, ACC teams at home, and they are fired up, man. Yeah. yeah, like Virginia Tech lost at Marshall the year they like beat Duke and UNC. Uh, I think it was the I think it might 
That was but, a Seth Greenberg thing, though. Maybe. I think it was the week before they beat Duke. They lost that on the road to Marshall. Familiar, yep. Yeah. 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 Um, so you got to be careful with those games and things like that. All right. So we beat that one to death. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we actually no. answered the question, but we did talk about so, it. So, okay, my expectations next year, uh, between 15 and 20 wins. Uh, that That's pretty much it. I mean, you can't predict things like injuries. I don't know what Landers Nolly's going to do. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to win 14 games in the ACC, though. Nah, no, nothing nah, like that. Nah. You know, they'll they'll continue to progress. Yeah. Last quick question before we wrap up: North Carolina could potentially be the 15 seed of the ACC tournament. Do you guys feel any remorse for UNC fans this year? No. I weep inwardly. I weep. <laughs> I had to throw it out there. All right, I think we're just about now, or maybe just a little bit over. Thanks to everybody for the uh, Facebook Live questions. We always appreciate it. And uh, again, a busy week for us here at Tech Sideline. Chris will be back on Monday for the Tech Sideline podcast, but myself and Will Wednesday. David Teal joins yeah, David us. Too. Looking yep. forward to that nine thirty. Um, that's going to be a great podcast, and we hope you can join us then. Uh, any closing thoughts before we sign off, gentlemen? Nope. Nope, let's get to work. Okay. All right, that'll do it for episode 120 of the Tech Sideline podcast. For the fantastic producer that we have behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart, on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. I'm Evan Hughes saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. This has been episode 120 of the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Have a great week, Hokies.